So, uh, can you get that piece of marble I can Yeah, it? absolutely. Or, yeah. It'll fall over. Yeah. Uh, dealing with, was it grief, sadness, or despair? Yeah, grief, sadness, and despair. Right. So, I recently thought of this just lately. Someone made me think of it. We don't talk about, uh, enough about dealing with that. Um, typically, because those people that are <clears throat> associated with Krishna consciousness uh, don't need any need to deal with it very much. There's so little, but we forget. Uh, there's parts of Bhagavad Gita that apply to every walk of life, pretty much everything you need to know about life, who you are, who is God, how you relate with God. Everything is in the Bhagavad Gita. No, you can't learn trigonometry from Bhagavad Gita. Although Krishna does say that if you surrender to him and be his loving devotee, that he will illuminate you from within. So you get more than what you actually read from Bhagavad Gita. It's not just the words on the paper. <clears throat> According to your level of sincerity. See? So, um, anybody here ever, ever have to deal with sadness, despair, grief? Yeah, gosh, everybody. What a bummer of a crowd. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We all do. We all have to tackle that from time to time. So, could you, does everybody have a piece of paper or something they can write on? Because I want you to, I want to ask some questions. And they're um, confidential. I'm not going to name who's, we won't know whose questions are what, or who, who's answer. But I'm going to ask questions, and I, if you would, I'd like you to kind of, uh, Give me an answer, your own answer. Uh, what is the best way that you know of personally for dealing with grief, sadness, and anger? Something that works. And if there's nothing that works, if you just have to wait till time passes, then that's an answer. <coughs> so, what is it? Uh, I'd love some, but I better not. Okay. That'd be too sweet for me. Okay. So, yeah, what is the best way that you know of to deal with grief, sadness, and despair? And then, what do you think is the most common thing that causes you grief, sadness, and despair? Or is there a common thing? If you can think of what is the most problematic in that arena. Um, let's see, what was the first question? <laughs> oh, how do you deal? Yeah. What do you think is the best way to deal with grief, sadness, and despair? And the second one was? What causes it? Yeah, what typically causes you grief, sadness, and despair. <clears throat>
I don't know what made me came up with come up with putting those three words together, but it sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, any one of them stand alone is bad enough. You put them together. So, all right, and we're going to move right along. Uh, yeah, we need to figure out uh, not just how to deal with it, but what is the cause? Where does it come from? It's like <clears throat> if we only treat the um, the sadness when we have it, then we're treating the symptoms and not going to the cause. It's like having a disease and it flares up every so often and you go to the doctor and he puts some salve on it you know, or whatever and it goes away for a while then it comes back. So, um, yeah, we want to know uh, what is the cause? If I can treat the cause, if I can cure that, deal with that, then it won't spring up again. Does that make any sense? It's kind of like for some things, there's an immunization. You can get a, a shot. It's like, uh, I was thinking recently, <clears throat> polio. Most of you don't know what polio is, I, I would imagine. But polio used to be, when I was a child, everybody was worried about getting polio. It was a very crippling disease. For the poster children, they always had the kid in the, in the crutches and his legs were all twisted and so... You know, we were afraid of it. But then they learned, they found a cure, and everyone's getting polio shots. And pretty much, I think it's extinct. I don't think, I don't think it is. But it was very common. So there are cures for things like this that, that give us uh, a problem. Okay? So, uh, do great saintly people ever get involved and are affected by grief, sadness, and despair? Yes. What do you think? Yeah? I would say yes. Any, any idea who? Well, it says in the Bible that didn't Jesus cry when his friend Lazarus died? I can't quite remember, but I, I feel like maybe he did. He yeah, that's a, he did. Yeah. Is that that short? First shortest one. The shortest one, he Jesus wept. wept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he certainly wasn't crying out of joy. So he was sad. So, what about you? You know of anybody? Any saints? Yeah. Um, Saintly person. Concerned because of sadness. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Prabhupada was doing sad because he thought that he didn't think he could fulfill the order of the spiritual master. Good example. Srila Prabhupada felt, I don't think I can do this. See, I don't think I can. Because he was an old man. He was 69 years old when he was able to start on his mission. You know, to come to the West and spread Krishna consciousness. So, <clears throat> he really had his doubts whether he, and it's the, pretty monumental thing to do. Although he had faith, he just didn't know if his body would last. So, 
Another person would be Arjuna. Arjuna, it's Krishna. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna and Arjuna. It's a conversation between Krishna and Arjuna. Uh, Arjuna is Krishna's uh, dear friend. They actually grew up together, you see. And Arjuna never really thought of Krishna as God. He was just my beloved Krishna, my dear, dear most friend, you know. And so um, just before this battle, Arjuna starts to put things together, connect the dots. Kind of like, hey, wait a minute, who are you? I thought you were just my friend, but you're really the supreme personality of Godhead. I've just been so uh, familiar with you. I hope I haven't been offensive by being familiar. Um, but actually, that's what Krishna really wants. He wants you to be familiar with him. He doesn't like awe and reverence. He doesn't need awe and reverence. How can you have a loving relationship if there's awe and reverence? You know, if someone's a little awe-stricken, maybe a little afraid, then how can you, you know, if you embrace them and they're afraid of you, they're going to go like, So it really puts a damper on the loving exchange, you see. So this is Krishna's desire for you to approach him. Uh, loving devotional service. You take the God issue and you move it aside. All right, he's God. Get over it. Go beyond that. Hey, that'd be a good class title, wouldn't it? Going beyond God. Mm -hmm. You know, write it down really Yeah, I'm gonna to have to remember that. I got it. Okay. <laughs> what do you get when you go beyond God? You get loving, affectionate, uh, reciprocal relationship with the Supreme. So this is what Krishna ultimately wants. If you prefer to tap the brakes and say, I don't think I want to get that close to God, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather do with awe and reverence, then Krishna has personalities. He has unlimited personalities. He's God, he's unlimited. So his personalities that you can um, worship him in, where you get awe and reverence, maybe even toss in some fear if that's what you want. It's not what he wants. But he will accommodate. He's that kind of guy. All right. Bhagavad Gita, in the second chapter, eighth verse. Arjuna, Krishna's friend, says, Now Arjuna is, is about to go into battle. There's going to be a war because the demoniac influences of the world 5,000 years ago had pretty much taken over. And it didn't look good for planet Earth going forward, you see. So therefore, Krishna decided, I will appear, set things straight, so that because this age of Kali Yuga, the age of quarrel and hypocrisy, was just about to dawn. And he didn't want us, the inhabitants here, to get off to a bad start, you know? I mean, if Kali Yuga the age of quarrel and hypocrisy is dawning and the demoniac forces control the earth. 
Now, this doesn't look good for the rest of us. So Krishna came to turn that around. And so there's going to be a, a holy war. Krishna gave the, the demons every chance to cease and desist. Come on in. But they refused, and they felt like, you know, uh, we think we can take it. That was their attitude. Mm. We can take it. So uh, there, there has to be this war. So Arjuna, who's a great warrior, he's looking across the battlefield, and he sees on the other side some of his friends and relatives. You know, they had fallen on the bad side. And he becomes grief-stricken. I don't know. I don't know if I want to go to war against my friends, relatives. Not everybody was, but some of them were. And so he felt some grief. And so Arjuna says, I can find no means to drive away this grief, which is drying up my senses. I will not be able to dispel it, even if I win a prosperous, unrivaled kingdom on earth with sovereignty like that of the demigods in heaven. Arjuna says, no matter what material gain I get, I can't take away the grief of fighting against these people that I love and respect. They're just, they've fallen on the wrong side. You know, they've been attracted by Maybe a little bit of greed, you know, the demons were promising, you know, if you, uh, you come fight with me, I'll give you this land, or I'll give you that. You know, you'll get some spoils of war. We're going to put an end to this, and we're going we're gonna to own the planet. So that was the plan. <clears throat> so, although Arjuna was putting forward so many arguments based on knowledge of the principle of religion and moral codes, it appeared that he was unable to solve his real problem without the help of, of, uh, of the spiritual master, Lord Sri Krishna. So uh, in the verse just prior to this, the seventh verse, Arjuna had realized that I can't figure this out on my own. You know, I know it's best for the world and for the world going forward, but it's a task that I don't want to do. I'm confused. I'm confused about my duty. I'm so confused that uh, I feel my bow slipping from my hand. My skin is burning. I just, I don't know what to do. But you, Krishna, you are my dear most friend. And I see you as my guru, my spiritual master. And I surrender totally and completely to you. Please instruct me. Give me instructions. So this is, uh, this is a turning point in the spiritual advancement of a living entity. This is that pivotal point that gets you really on the right track. Coming down the home stretch, as they say. You know, when the horses come around that far turn and they're heading towards the, the finish line in a horse race. So that's what does it for you when you realize I don't think I can do this on my own. All I'll do is speculate. And it's, it's speculation is kind of like the coin toss. I think 
of course, once I thought, but I was wrong, you know. So if it's something that's really super important, you consult a higher source. Like if you have to go to court. You know, what if somebody accused you of a crime? Well, you're not going to go in there and defend yourself, are you? Is it, um, Mark Twain said that he who defends himself in court has a fool for a client. You know, is that Mark Twain or Sam? <laughs> it might have been Samuel Clements. <laughs> guys are so freshly young. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't do that, would you? You'd go to the best lawyer you could afford, you know? Same thing as if you if you have uh, some sickness, you go to a doctor, you know? Now, if it's something not real life-threatening, you might try some home remedies or whatever. I, I, I can remember being real sick in India one time and people were trying to give me home remedies. And I said, stop it already. You don't realize I'm, I'm beyond that. I've, I really need to be. I'm going to the hospital. And it's a good thing I did or I would have wound up with pneumonia. <clears throat> so there are certain times when things get to a point where you really do need some good advice. You see? Same as with your car. When your car, you can't figure it out, take it to a mechanic. Somebody who knows. So this is, if you have complicated tax returns, then you go to a, an accountant, you see? I mean, so this is the way of the world. So why would we think that we should figure out our spiritual destiny and how to achieve it on our own speculations? or from listening to other people's speculations, and they don't really have a handle on it. They're speculating just like me. They're no better off. So there comes a time when you have to say, wait a minute, no. Forget the speculative stuff. Let's go for something real. I really want to succeed with this. I remember I wanted to stay alive. I didn't know. <clears throat> I didn't know how sick I was going to get. <clears throat> but I knew it was far enough along where I needed to get some consultation. So, this is the principle. Those who are uh, have question in spiritual life, they seek out a guru, a spiritual master. Arjuna had the Supreme Godhead, Krishna, as his guru. He's right there. So he said, please instruct me. So now we can't all have Krishna for a guru, can we? What do you think, Chaitanya Lila? I feel like it's pretty good for all the disciplic succession. Oh, she's pretty sharp. <laughs> you 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 can and you can take the guru. Yeah. If you find a guru that's in line in the disciplic succession coming from Krishna. You know, Krishna has disciple. Yes. That disciple, it's like uh, Lord Jesus Christ said. What was it he said? Uh, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He didn't mean I am God. I'm the creator of everything. He meant that 
If you see me, if you hear my word, my words are the words of my Father. I don't have my own words. So a guru is one who can follow in a disciplic succession and give the message from Krishna, handed down guru to disciple, unchanged. You see, if you change even a comma, then you've, it's no good. You give it the way it is. You give the absolute truth. The absolute truth is the absolute truth. There's nothing to add or take away from it, you see. So Arjuna, he's so sad. He's like, you know, Krishna, I need you to help me. And so uh, he could understand that his so-called knowledge was useless in driving away his problems, which were drying up his whole existence. And it was impossible for him to solve such perplexities without the help of a spiritual master like Lord Krishna. So there's twice in this purport that Prabhupada has mentioned that. He's driving the home, uh, the point home. You see, Arjuna was smart enough to know. Not only can I not do this by myself, but you know what? I don't have to. You see, I've got you here, Krishna. I don't have to try to do this on my own. Uh, academic knowledge, scholarship, high position, etc., are all useless to solving the problems of life. Help can be given only by a spiritual master like Krishna. That's three times, Prophet, driving this point home. Uh, Prophet goes on, therefore the conclusion is that a spiritual master is 100% Krishna conscious. Uh, who is 100% Krishna conscious is the bona fide spiritual master, for he can solve the problems of life. What are the problems of life? What's the biggest problem that we have in, in life? What's our biggest problem? Anybody know? Anybody want to take a gander? Death. That's a problem. You know? It is. I mean, sometimes people don't like to talk about that, but sweep it under the rug. <laughs> you know, there he goes, talking about death again. But no, that's a big problem we have. What are we going to do with it? It's going to come, and it's going to it's going to come when it's uh, uh, scheduled to come. You see. However, what will happen beyond that? We can't control death. If we keep our health uh, right, keep body and soul together a little bit longer, we can maybe make it come a little later. You see. And maybe even not only a little later, but a little bit more graceful when it does come. Still, the biggest problem we have is what does death mean to me? You see, what does it mean? I mean, how will that change me and my situation? This is important to know. Now, a lot of people will say, well, look, nobody knows. So what you're saying is you don't know. And so because you don't know, nobody can know. There, there aren't any, there's no one that knows. You'd be surprised how many people have told me, well, look, ultimately nobody knows. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's, it's an easy thing to know and figure out. But you have to have the right advice and you have to be on the right path towards that end. 
see. Uh, any questions yet? Comments? Uh, therefore, if we want to curb lamentation for good, then we have to take shelter of Krishna as Arjuna is seeking to do. So Arjuna asked Krishna to solve this problem definitely. And that is the way of Krishna consciousness. Krishna wants Arjuna, or Arjuna, excuse me, wants Krishna. Solve this problem. Help me with this. Take away my grief. So I've got a, uh, a few verses later, after a little bit of conversation, Krishna says one important uh, comment to uh, Arjuna. This is in the 14th verse. Krishna says, O son of Kunti, the non-permanent appearance of happiness and distress and their disappearance in due course are like the appearance and disappearance of winter and summer seasons. They arise from sense perception, O sign of Bharata, and one must learn to tolerate them without being disturbed. So, problems, things that make us sad, come from the way our mind is dealing with a situation. You see, if uh, you hear that Bob Smith died this morning and you don't know Bob, then your mind says, well, I feel bad for him, but I don't know who they're talking about. So you don't get grief-stricken, right? So 40,000 people die a day, maybe a little bit more than that. It's 40,000 men and women every day die, 40-something thousand. So, you know, you don't lament for all those people. You don't know them. However, your mind will produce, uh, will process information differently if it's someone that you know and that's dear to you, right? Oh, this is terrible. So it's different. If it's some, your mind will process it differently. So it's that culprit, the mind, your perception, the way you perceive this situation that will cause your mind to feel lamentation or grief, how you process it. So I've had, I don't know how many, <laughs> very, very close people to me close devotees that I've been with, I've known for decades. Yeah, I mean, we, we uh, work together to establish this movement. I've had so many of them leave their body and die. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's bittersweet. It's a bittersweet thing. I'm sad because I'll no longer have their association. But I'm so happy that they're going to be with Krishna. They're going to team up with our guru, Srila Prabhupada, somewhere else to do what it is that we're doing right now, you see. So, whereas I will miss them, but I am, I'm so happy for them, you see. It was, it was very difficult when Srila Prabhupada left in 1977. That was, that was a tough one to deal with. But then, after a few days of grieving, we've suddenly realized 
Prabhupada hasn't left. He's still here. We still have everything that we had when he was here, except his physical presence. Prabhupada went around the world a lot, so very few people ever saw him more than once a year anyway. You went to see him once, twice a year, you know? So we didn't have eyes on Prabhupada constantly, but we all had always had his writings. We had his words. We had each other, and we're all working to uh, spread this, this movement to help everyone get a taste of bhakti yoga. So, uh, as a matter of fact, as the years went by, we felt closer and closer to Prabhupada. You see, his body was not present anymore, but he's still here. He's the one that's forging this movement on. We may think we're making some contribution, but it's really him. He's doing it all. So, um, in the proper discharge of duty, one has to learn uh, to tolerate uh, non-permanent appearances of, and disappearances of happiness and, and distress. Big, important word. Tolerate. We have to learn how to tolerate in the proper mind. We have to have in the proper mindset. You see, the, these... Uh, appearances or perceptions of happiness and distress change just like the seasons. And I'll give you a, a, a for instance. Um, I go for a walk every day. I walk in the same park every day. I always like to do the same thing every day, uh, same time. So in the summertime when I'm walking along, and it's real hot. I see the shade from this one tree over the sidewalk where I'm walking. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> get a little break from the sun. Get up under the shade. I may even pause for a minute. And think, oh, this is great. You see? So then I continue my walk until there's another tree with some shade. And I may pause a minute there. So, however... In December or January, I'm walking in the same park under the same tree, and he's given the shade just like he always does. Although I'm thinking, man, this is going to be cold. Why well, is the sun? The sun's the only thing that's keeping me warm out here. It's chilly. I get up under that shade, and it's going to be like burr. So I may step it up a little bit and get through the shade real quick. You see, now what's different? Sun is the same. It's the same trees, the same park, same. Everything is the same, except I'm perceiving it through my senses differently. But everything's the same, you see. So I tell myself, I like these are two good words that you can learn to say to yourself. Stop it. Now, you can say that to yourself, whereas somebody else told you, you might get a little angry at them, but you can tell yourself when you're getting a little nutty like that. Stop it. Just stop. I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let my mental perception 
deal with how I, how I feel about this poor tree who's giving me shade all the time, you see. I'm just not. I'm not going to let it disturb me. So it's hot or so it's cold. This is just my perception. Deal with it. Go on, you see. So how we let these things uh, affect us? What are the, the threefold miseries? Does anyone know? There's threefold miseries. Um, old age, death, and suffering. Yeah, but there's that's not exactly that's the three miseries. Uh, Sanskrit word for misery is klesh. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is adhidaiva, uh, uh, klesh, which means. Miseries that come from, as they say, acts of God. Flood, hurricane, uh, drought, you know, terrible things like that, that come from, we always blame it on God, you see. So the elements. And then there's Adibodika, Klesh, uh, which is sufferings and miseries brought on by other living entities, mosquitoes, gnats, snakes, people, other living entities. And then there's the most common clash of them all, adhyatmika clash, which is trouble within the mind. And that's responsible for the vast majority of our perception of difficulties, you see. One who is a little advanced in, uh, in yoga learns to become equipositioned, you see. We're not, no peaks and valleys. So there's sometimes necessity for tolerance. We have to tolerate. This will pass. Something is, is wrong. Maybe I have a bad memory. Well, it's gone. That memory's gone. Things that haunt you from your past are gone. They were eaten by time, swallowed by time. And as a matter of fact, when you try to recall things in the past, a lot of times your recollection, uh, recollection isn't, isn't accurate. I don't know if you've ever sat around with different people uh, thinking about or talking about things in the past and their, their side of the story is different than yours, but you, we were together on that. They remember it a little differently. You know, as you get older, you talk to people. I've talked to people that I knew, like relatives that I knew when we were young. And we were talking about something that happened. And I'm thinking, no, oh, wait a minute, that didn't happen quite like that. Yes, it did. So, which one of us is right? I'm convinced I'm right, but they're convinced they're right. So my recollection, give it decade after decade, may not be correct. So maybe I'm beating myself up with something that's just an impression in my mind. You know, some lamentation that I've taken out of the closet, you know, to taste. And it's a foul taste. You see what I mean? We have to tell our mind, stop it. Don't go there. We're not going to do this. 
I am not going to let you beat me up like this. After all, you are my mind. You're not me. You're my mind. And I should have some say in how you're trying to make me feel. And I choose. I choose not to go there. I choose not to. I have the right to make that choice. Right? Okay, I choose not to go there. I choose not to be sad. Because if I, if I think for just a minute, there's a billion things that I can think of that are cheerful. That for whatever reason, right at this moment, I'm not thinking about. I'm not letting those flood into my mind. I've got a little drop or two of something that's bitter. When there's an, uh, uh, an ocean of nectar, you see what I mean? So why do I do this? It's my perception. So, um, now we're going to jump to Srimad Bhagavatam. Third Canto, ninth chapter, verse 9. Krishna repeats this. Actually, this isn't Krishna talking. Oh, my Lord, the material miseries are without factual existence for the soul. The soul cannot be miserable. You, the soul, are eternally blissful. You are sat, eternal, cheat, full of knowledge, and ananda, eternally blissful. So that's you, the soul. However, because I identify with this body, or I am this body, you are your body, you are my brother, or you're my enemy, you see, because of those influences that I let my mind introduce to me, <clears throat> then I start to perceive some suffering. So again, oh my Lord, <clears throat> the material miseries are without factual existence for the soul. Yet as long as the conditioned soul sees the body as meant for sense enjoyment, he cannot get out of the entanglement of material miseries being influenced by your external energy. The external energy, illusory energy, it will influence you. Because the external energy tells you that you are your body and you belong in this place. You belong. You're an earthling. You're of this world. But you're not of this world. You have an eternal spiritual entitlement to always feel blissful. That's an entitlement. You see? God-given entitlement that no one can deny you except you in the dealings with the mind. You see? So, uh, I'm going to pause, and can I have everybody's little pieces of paper? Because sometimes I forget until later on. I'm Deal with it now. Because I'm interested in what we had to say. Any other questions again for the people that came in a little bit later? Um, what causes grief, sadness, and despair? Yeah, what, what causes? Yeah, what is the most common cause of grief? That's the second one. I thought it was how do you deal with it the first one. Yeah. How do you deal with it is the first one, yeah.
tell you what. Would you like to read them off? Yeah. So let me know when you want me to. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. One, this person put take shelter of someone you trust. That's how you deal with it. Yeah. Take shelter of someone you trust. Key word. Shelter. We need shelter. Shelter that you can trust. These are wise words. You have to have that. If you don't, then you're all alone. Or at least you're going to convince yourself that you're all alone. And you have no one to turn to. Boy, does that amp up the grief. That's just, you see. So immediately you have to take shelter. Someone you can trust. And I mean, absolutely trust. One of the nine uh, exchanges of love between devotees, one of them is revealing one's mind in confidence. In confidence. The other is hearing one's mind in confidence. So if you have, it's a duty that we have to one another and to all living entities. Not just those that go to our church, but everyone. If someone says, I need some I need somebody to talk to. You need to feel make them feel on your person. It goes no further than here. I can remember things that were told to me in confidence 30, 40 years ago by some devotee I was working with, Jamal Krishna Maharaj, so told me many things. And I said, he says, I have, you and I have to have a conversation. And we can never, I don't want you to ever discuss this with anybody. And so even though that time has passed and he has long left the planet, he's gone, and it would make no difference whatsoever. It actually might be very interesting to some of his disciples especially, what it was we But I made a vow. I made a vow. There is no reason for me to violate that vow, even though it might not. But that's not for me to judge. Well, it's okay for me to tell it now. No, it's not. I made a vow. So that's hearing one's mind in confidence. Now, if you have someone that you can reveal your mind to in confidence, isn't that great? That's the way it should be. So therefore, you have shelter. You see, shelter that you can trust. We need that. It's part of our duty. Uh, Become um, serious about God, regardless of what your... religion is, you have a duty to become a shelter. As soon as you take on the shelter of God, you have a duty to share that with others. You have a duty to do that. Otherwise, you're a miser. I keep it to myself. What else? Number two, forgetfulness of who we are. Forgetful, yeah, that's right on. Uh, what causes suffering? 
forgetting who I am. If I forget that I'm an eternal part and parcel of Krishna, and that he is my dear most friend and ever well-wisher, and that he wants me to be the dear most friend and ever well-wisher of everyone that I encounter, if I forget that, then I can let my consciousness sink to the level that I can start to find fault with the people around me and see them as, oh, this one is my friend, and this one is my enemy. No, not you, her. You see what I mean? You start to be, you become dualistic like that. In other words, you've fallen into the material pool. Everyone may not be my friend, but nothing can stop me from being everyone's friend. You see, some people may, may want to, uh, but they may not be my uh, advocate at all. Doesn't mean I can't be their friend. You see what I mean? Why? Why should? What if they speak badly about me? I can tolerate that. You, you can grow some layers on your skin and get a little thicker, you know? Sometimes if you approach someone to be their friend and they're, they're not one of your best fans, <laughs> you'd be surprised what a great rela uh, relationship can come from that. Some of the best friends I, that I've ever had came after we were at war with each other back in the old days, so. Okay. Cause of grief, grief equals death, loss. Cause of sadness equals permanent separation. Cause of despair equals hopelessness. Yeah, death. Because we don't understand death, if I don't understand my death and how it affects me, then how am I going to understand yours? So if I care very much for you, if I love you dearly, and you die, and I don't have any clue what that means, well, that's going to cause me a lot of stress. You see, I'm going to feel, uh, what was it? What was it? For, for grief? Death and loss. Yeah, I'm going to feel grief. I'm going to go through a grieving period. And it's kind of funny. Uh, I've been to funerals where, uh, not devotees, but other people. And some of these people, they were questionable people. You know, they were kind of what you might interpret as borderline evil. <laughs> and they always say the same thing. He's gone to a better place. Wait a minute. No, not this guy. Are you kidding me? If what you think, if there's a, an up and a down, a heaven and a hell, and this guy's dead, what makes you think that this guy went up? According to your philosophy, how can you say this guy? It's like Adolf Hitler. Well, he, at least we know he's in a better place. What? Oh, come on. But we think like that. Well, you don't know. You don't know. Well, this guy probably had some karma to work out. He probably had to take six million births and be killed. 
you know? So work out his karma. Doesn't mean he's a bad soul. There are no bad souls. There never was, there never will be a bad soul. But we can get so crazy in this material energy that we um, incur a lot of karma. But it passes. Karma passes. So who knows? Okay, what else? It says uh, the cure equals hope, faith, action, and reconnection. Say that again. The cure uh -huh. equals hope, faith, action, and reconnection. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, we need faith. But isn't there anything better than faith? Yeah, absolutely. No way. You know, if I meet you and I think, uh, I think you're going to be a really good friend. After some time, I'm going to know. So I have faith that you'll be a good friend. Faith without answers is blind faith. You should get answers. Your faith should be, you should find out. If you have faith that uh, a stock is going to go up, and you buy that stock, after some time you're going to know whether you had misplaced or well-placed faith. So you should know, especially if your faith is in God. You know, it's not that God's hiding behind the sun or hiding behind the dark side of the moon. Why is he hiding? He's so hard to get. He's, He's so hard, we perceive him as so hard to get because we're not really trying that hard, you see. But if you have faith and you place your love and service, you will come to the point where you will know. Can you look up a Bhagavad Gita 7.1 for me? Seventh chapter, first verse. Can we actually know God? A lot of people, there's knee-jerk reactions. Hell no. I mean, heavens no. <laughs> no God? Like, who do you think you are? Yeah, read the translation. Yeah, the Supreme Personality guy had said, Now here is an Abhita. I've been practicing yoga and full consciousness, consciousness of me. With mind attached to me, you can know me in full, free from doubt. Not a big. Krishna says, you can know me in full, free from doubt. That means you've lost your faith in me. You, you, the faith turned into knowing. You had faith. You see, but it was replaced by knowledge. So Krishna makes you that promise. Yeah, you can do this. You can understand me, and I want you to. I'm not going to hide from you. Next. In my experience, the best way to deal with grief slash sadness was to either play an instrument or sing. It felt like a liberal outlet for my depression while I had it. I think the most common root to depression is the dependence attachment to anything. When we attach ourselves to things or even people on an unreasonable level, we control our minds in ways. It makes us prioritize 
talking about. Was it you we were talking about having a pet mm -hmm. recently? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you buy a dog and you fall in love with it, or a cat. It's just like they, the loving exchange can be so great. But they're not going to live as long as you. You should know going in, you're going to have that sad moment. You know? You know this. You should. Anyway, you see? So, fallible soldier. So, does it mean I don't love my dog or my cat? Wait a minute, I don't have a dog and a cat. But I've had dogs and cats, and I love them. And they're all dead. They're all gone. But it didn't wreck my life. It didn't wreck my life at all. Because I knew from the prasadam that I had fed them, they're going to take a human body. You know, give it a short time. My dear cat, my dear dog, you're going to be chanting Hare Krishna. <laughs> so you're on your way back to Godhead. Yes? Is there any way to retroactively help my cat who's, who's dead with his next life? How long? Mm, I think it's been about six years now. Probably not. What can I do? <laughs> uh, I chanted in front of his ashes. Does that help? More than likely, that soul <laughs> is going to recycle, recycle through your life again. Maybe not as your cat. Maybe as a dog. I chanted every living thing he does. <laughs> <laughs> You know these little brown parks? You yeah. see them in, in the parks? Yeah. They're all over Arizona. Yeah. And so sometimes when I sit down to rest in the park, they'll come out. I'm sitting there chanting, and they'll come out and they'll stand up and they think I've got some food, but I usually don't. But I just chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And they twist their head. <laughs> <laughs> And I say, so there you have it. That's my best gift I, gift I can give you. I could feed your body, but I just gave your soul a big dose. So do with it as you will. So that means you've moved that creature through tremendous suffering of body after body. Who knows? So if you have that attitude towards all living entities, when that cat and your, uh, your attachment to that cat He's going to bring it back through. There's, it's going to cycle back through. We were together for 19 years. Wow. Oh, wow. What was the we cat's name? We were together. What, <laughs> what was the cat's name? Um, creep, because when creep. he was a kitten, he would creep around. So it was based on his behavior. Creep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at, at one point, I had, I, I don't know, some cat karma, and I had cats that adopted me they would just one of them was wild he was a wild cat he lived uh he lived up under my house and i'd see him coming and going he was a, a Maine coon and big teeth big and he was rough and tough the dogs in the neighborhood were afraid <laughs> but he didn't belong to anybody he lived and went out and hunted and, and so uh <laughs> I put out a little food for him, and he found it. And then I would do that every day. And then he would always come up on the porch to check for the food. And then one day, 
he came up on the porch for his food and I was sitting way back on the other end of the porch and he stopped and he thought about it. He looked at the food, he looked at me, then he decided to very carefully eat the food, so he did. And then he left real fast. So then the next day he came up there and I was sitting on the porch, but I was a little closer. So it took about a month, but when he came up on the porch, I was about as close as we are. And he looked at me and went for the food without, you know, I, okay, you're there, you're okay. So then one day he came up and I had it right there. <laughs> So I let him eat for a few days with it being right there, and then one day I touched him, and he jumped. <laughs> and then the next day I touched him again, and he was, yeah, I don't like that, but okay. And then I got to the point where I finally was able to rub my hand down his back. When I did that, it was over. <laughs> Whenever I'd go out to my car, he'd be between my feet. Friends for life. We could just apply that patience to all of our relationships. If we could apply that patience to all of our relationships with other living beings, yeah. it would be so wonderful. And, and, you know, we can. We can. You see, because everyone is a beautiful soul. They may be confused right now, and they, they may think they're a jerk, or they may think they have to be uh, behave like a jerk. But little by little, you know, they will, people will warm up to warmth. People will, if you become a loving person, it attracts everyone, even the jerks. It's a, it's a fact. So, okay, what else? Uh, to deal with grief, sadness plus despair. Best way to deal, this person, I'm put not sure, um, but most common cause of grief, grief, sadness, and despair, either loss of a loved one or having made a bad mistake and bad mistakes in life. For example, hurting a loved, loved one. Mm -hmm. A lot of times our grief is brought on by thinking of something that either we did to someone or that thinking of something that someone did to us, one or the other. So, but actually, that's all gone. You know, I had a, a rough childhood. I had a cruel stepfather, and it was, you know, I could write a book about that, but I won't, but it was like, terrible. I left home when I was 16 just to get away. And I would have left earlier, but my mother begged me, please don't leave. Finally, I said, I'm out of here. <laughs> so, but how does my mind process that? When I look back at it, uh, was it so bad? First of all, it's gone. And I see that uh, that childhood that I went uh, through kind of hardened me. When I got out of the house, I was pretty independent, you know? I mean, I, I had experienced things that most children had never experienced. So I grew up a little earlier. Now, some people say, oh, that's not so good. No, it was good. It was good. 
gave me a tremendous advantage in life. Tremendous. I had a tremendous advantage over my friends and people my age. A tremendous advantage. And because of that, what I went through, I excelled all of my life. Whenever I go to get a job, I could always do the hard thing. You know, whatever it took. But a lot of people, are, I don't want to do that thing. Well, I don't want to do it. You know what? I can and I will. And so I was able. So there's, as I say, a silver lining to these things. Was it bad? I don't look back. As I look back, I wouldn't want to change one minute of anything that happened to me in my life. Because I'm afraid it might jeopardize where I am right now. If where you are is great, then everything behind you was glorious, even your mistakes. Right? So if you got uh, the prize, then whatever whatever it was that it took for me to get this, I wouldn't change it. I'm not saying I want to go through it again, but you know what? If I had to, I sure could. You see? Sure could. So, all right, what's next? How to deal Reconnect with my purpose. Do something selfless to please God. Find saintly people and hear from them. Yeah. Do something for God. I mean, we could say, well, why don't I just pray to God to give me relief from my lamentation? Hey, God, make me feel better. You know? God, take away the sadness. Because we're, we're always asking God to do stuff for us. You know, he becomes, and that's pious. I don't mean to talk that down because at least you're pious enough to think there is God and, and he's powerful and he'll, he'll help me. And faith, God, will help me. So please, God, help me through this difficult time. You know, please uh, help me pass this test that's coming. Help me get this job. Let Mary Jo go to the prom with me, you know. So we're always, you know, give me daily bread, give me more money, give me a promotion, give me, give me, give me. And that's pious. But it gets really sweet in the relationship between you and God when you say, hey, look, you've always taken really good care of me. And I want you to give me something that I can do for you. What can I do? I want to show my love for you. If I have it, if I'm thankful and grateful that he's always taking care of me, you see? And of course, you may say, yeah, but I asked to go to the, I asked, I wanted him to set it up so I could go to the prom with Mary Jo. And he, he didn't, and she went with my friend. So... How do you know that wasn't good for you? How do you know she didn't turn out to be a jerk? You see? You don't know. It's just, it's ricocheting around in your mind, these things. So be grateful to God. Be thankful. First of all, work hard to get 
your relationship with God in a really good place. And that will align your relationship with all other living entities. So you're going to find yourself in a good place. Once you get in a good place, you're going to think, wow, whatever it took for me to get here, I am so happy that it, I'm so happy my life turned out the way it did. Because I'm here. You see? You won. So then there's no lamentation. Of course you may look back and, and say, I made mistakes with people. I shouldn't have treated them this way or I shouldn't have. At this particular point, I shouldn't have said that. Or they shouldn't have said this to me or treated me this way. But it's, it doesn't matter because here you are right here in the present. And if the present is good, then the past is uh, glorious. What about the people that we may have wronged in the past if they're no longer in our life and we can't go to them and make amends? What can we do now that we're in this glorious place but maybe they aren't? You just feel it. Feel it. Talk it over with Krishna. So, my Lord, I was wrong. I was wrong. These are important things to learn how to say. I was wrong. I made a mistake. Can you please forgive me? These are good things to learn how to say. And a lot of times if you're dealing with uh, saintly people, you can say, please forgive me. And they say, forgiveness was already there. The minute you create, you committed the offense, forgiveness covered it up. You see, less saintly people would probably say, well, it's about time. And no, I don't forgive you. I'll never forgive you. <laughs> Depends on where their consciousness is. And if they say that to you, say, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be forgiven. You know? I'm asking for it, but I know I don't deserve it. You're not in, indebted to forgive me. And whatever uh, reaction, whatever karmic reaction there is for my mistake, I can take it. Um, I'll take it. I can deal with it. So, does that make any sense? Yes, yeah. yes, it does. Thank you. Yeah. And then you see always the light at the, there's always light at the end of the darkness. You see. And then you'll get to a point where there's never any darkness. Yeah. There's some the, the reason for why we're feeling this way because if we are being purified or there's no atonement, then those things are affecting our present and future. Yeah. If if you don't atone in your within yourself, then it's going to continue to, it's going to fester inside of you. It's a subtle infection that you have because you didn't atone properly. You try to, uh, what's that word? Uh, rationalize. Well, yeah, but she deserved it. You know, like that. Or he, he deserved it. He had it coming to him. 
So I've just let myself off the hook, didn't I? But not really. I, the soul, know. And that'll stay. It'll, that'll fester. It'll stay there and it'll accumulate. But someday I can uh, raise my consciousness to the point to where I deal with all that. I let it all go. You see? You know, Krishna doesn't say, yeah, you know what? You've been a real jerk. I'm going to punish you. Oh, boy. Krishna says, come. Come give me a hug. You look like you, you could use a big hug. Come, let me give you a big Krishna hug. Well, if you can come to the realization that you are an eternal spirit soul, part and parcel of God himself and his eternal loving servant, then you, you don't start, you, you lose consciousness of being a body that made mistakes. You see what I mean? So in other words, get to the point to where Krishna sees you. God doesn't see you as this body that makes mistakes and used people or anything, cheated. Krishna sees you as the pure spirit soul. You see, he sees you always as uncontaminated. <clears throat> but we have to get our consciousness uncontaminated. And then that all goes away. It all it clears up. Just like the clouds after a big rain, they just kind of clear up. What else? This person, but the cause would be uh, disconnection and rascal them. Disconnect, yeah. The cause is disconnection from God. Being a rascal. When you disconnect from God, yeah. How can you possibly remain happy? How can you find happy? You may find some temporary uh, illusion of happiness. But it just fades. What else? The best way of dealing with grief, sadness, and despair is realizing I am responsible for all these feelings and therefore taking stock of my life and changing those things that brought me grief, sadness, and despair in the first place. Yeah, I'm responsible for this. Either I did something that I shouldn't have done or somebody did something to me that they shouldn't have done, and I didn't deal with it properly. You know, we forget about this law of karma. What goes around comes around. Whereas the Bible says, as ye sow, so shall ye reap. So if you're, as you are reaping, ye must have sown. Whatever's coming around, guess who sent it around? You did. So if someone is cheating you, whose fault is that? You can't get something happen to you that you don't deserve. It doesn't work that way. This is Krishna's perfect, perfectly fair law. You know, cause and effect. For every action, even Sir Isaac Newton, Science has it. For every action, there's an equivalent and opposite reaction. So if you're getting the reaction, you did an action. 
So man up or woman up. What's happened? Somebody lied to me? Somebody cheated me? They misled me? Man, the devotee thinks, my dear Lord Krishna, I deserved more, but because of your mercy on me, I only got that punishment. <laughs> but I deserved more. So we have to think like that. If you can adjust your mind to dealing with these things like that, then you think, wow, somebody just lied to me or they misled me. So that's one piece of karma that I just crossed off my list. That's one thing that's not coming to get me anymore. You see? What we don't see is Krishna, when you start to practice bhakti yoga, when you start to perform loving devotional service and chant Hare Krishna, he starts taking away these karmic things. You know, he has like a a markdown sale. You know how when there's a sale, but they'll mark down. What do they call it? Uh, Walmart? Uh, rollback. <laughs> rolls it back. Because he's thinking, he looks at your list of things that are coming at you, and he's thinking, you're such a sweet, loving devotee. I don't want you to suffer all this stuff. You know, so let me let me some of this off here. You know, except for this one, you're going to have to get that. <laughs> And maybe that one there, and that one, but not this one. <laughs> oh, what the heck? Let's just take it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just think we're so fortunate to be able to know this process of Krishna consciousness because what you're speaking about, most people, they can't be free from it. Most people who don't have Krishna consciousness, they got to carry with them this baggage, right. these reactions, like 99.9. .9. Uh, you know, people that are just. And therefore, when we sometimes when we're counseling people, we get into their heads, they let us into their heads, we just feel, uh, we start to feel their grief. See, it's a sad thing. Some of us, Bill, Bill Clinton, I feel your pain. I feel, I feel the pain. <laughs> he didn't, but he just like Bill would say that. You don't know how to get this discount. They don't know. Yeah, they don't know. But when you get, when you're helping someone, you can, you, you, the, the sadness that you'll feel, and it passes through you quickly, is their sadness. Because you know what you have to do, especially if you're in the position of guru? You have to eat it. You have to take it away. Where do you think the sadness goes? Up into the ether? No, you got to take it. You remove it from it. It's got to go somewhere. It's like when the, when the guru accepts you as his disciple, where does that karma go? It doesn't just disappear. The guru has to take it. So... You set out with Krishna. He's going to have to suffer some for it. But that's okay. It's all right. You know, Jesus was willing to die for his disciples. So when you're helping someone, you're. It's just like sometimes when you're fighting fires and you're put, putting out a fire, you may start to smolder a little bit yourself. 
So when you're helping people, some of that's going to affect you. You can't just sit there and say, yeah, big deal. Okay, so you're feeling terrible, you know. You, you know, you gotta, you have to taste it. You have to identify with it. You have to take it. You have to take it, take it away from them. Sometimes you have to struggle to get it away from because sometimes people want to hang on to it. But I don't want to let this go because every time I, this comes up, I get to feel, I get to feel sad. And sometimes I get other people to feel sad with me and for me. So sometimes it's like it's a tug of war to get, get it. <laughs> so that's what, that's the nature of the devotee. Take it. You got to remove it. And you can. Krishna empowers you to do it. But if, if you can't just take it and leave a void. Here, I'll give you the knowledge. And I just took your pain. See? Here you go. Here's the knowledge. And I just took the pain away. I stole it from you. I gave you the happiness of the knowledge of your relationship with Krishna. You see? But, Taking and giving at the same time. You can't just tell somebody, look, get over it. How do I get over it? Well, let me tell you about your relationship with Krishna. You see? Let me tell you who you really are. And let me tell you what your future really is. You see? And then the sadness is gone. You just took it away. What else? I have a question. So um, when you mentioned about um, I got this, but I deserve worse and like a, a root of humility or being humble, the mode of Krishna consciousness, Krishna would be the purifying agent because of this um, causeless infinite mercy for people that don't have the knowledge or the awareness of that and still think that they deserve less or deserve worse. They don't have the right thing to plug into that. And they feel right. like the reconciliation comes from depression and self-harming. So right. That's a good point. If you, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know how this works, then I'm still in, in kind of doubt. But I have faith that it will work out. I still have my doubts. You see what I mean? And so this thing about I deserve worse isn't as depressing if it weren't for that Krishna. Right. Yeah. But if I turn to Krishna and say, no, look, I, des I deserve more. I deserve much worse. Um. I'm not expecting Krishna, like I, I can control him and, he's, and, and have him say, um, just forget it. I'm not going to let you have it. No, I'm, i got to mean that. I, I really deserve the full dose of my reaction. You know, somehow or other, this has already gone down. You rolled it back. You took away some of this. You know, you were so sweet. I can never expect or demand that you do this, 
but you have this tendency to do that. So therefore, my love for you continues to grow. Speaking of rolling back karma, I thought it would, I thought it, it'd be interesting if you can talk about how chanting the holy names of God help roll back karma. And even when we go to the temple, even when we're in front of the deities, even when we clap in front of the deities, even when we dance in front of the deities, all these things are helping us. There's, there's no way to measure the acts of devotion to God. The reaction to that. there's no it's so uh, infinitesimal even if you're in the Arctic and you probably said when you clap your hand the first time even though you don't have full faith you just clapped your hand because you like the sound of the music it changes your whole future your whole astral chart has now been rearranged what's going to happen you have a whole different path that opens up for you to take you see. And as you go through life, there'll be other junctures where you can go this way or that way. And if you continue devotional life, you'll always have this righteous one that you can take. And it's more attractive to you. So that all of a sudden, your life has changed now. You see. But we should never think that all I have to do is chant Hare Krishna. Because that's... Um, um, committing sinful activities on the strength of chanting the holy name. Right. Like, like, or in, in the Bible, to, to take um, the name of God in vain. Right. That's one of the sins. Like confession. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The idea of confession. Yeah. No. So, no. But chanting Hare Krishna, I don't always like to talk about the potency of it because it would be a, a temptation to misuse it. Well, then that means I can go sin and this chant and a slate swipe me. But that's a big offense. You see? I would rather chant Hare Krishna and if there's any sinful activity, please let me have the reaction for it. So, but everything that you do in, as an offering of love to Krishna, service to him or service to the other living entities, of course, so that, has, that service has to be the service to the other living entities, a service in that you're trying to give them knowledge of Krishna and their relationship with God as well. Not that if you have somebody that's... Um, uh, on the street corner, you know, just give me some money, I need a beer. Well, I'll serve you. So I did a good thing, right? You know, so I, I gave him one more beer closer to his liver falling out. That was real service, wasn't it? So, no, you can't. If you help somebody hurt themselves, then that's certainly not healthy. <laughs> And there's no good reaction from it. We don't do service to others wanting a good reaction. We don't want any reaction. We just want the pleasure of doing it. But that has to be real, true service. You see? 
has to be the real thing. I really, really care for you. Now, the problem is about material life is that it's kind of rare to find somebody who really, really cares for you, right? Because a lot of times we think that, but they're misleading us with something. You know, I really, really care for you. Buy my product and you'll feel so much better, you know, or order my book on how to do this or see. So, I mean, that's that there's so much of that in the material world that after some time we start to think, wait a minute, does anybody really care for me? Yeah, those who don't want anything in, in exchange, they don't want any unconditional care for you unconditionally. I just want you to be happy. And I know the recipe. I can give you the recipe to be happy. So, oh, you're, you're in charge. Um, I had a question about what I'm going to have in the last uh, He's talking about chanting and dancing and addressing the deities and this sort of thing. It's like transcendental activity because it's um, free from reaction or expectation to reaction. He's, um, that's what frees it up karma and winds it back. Free from expectation? Yeah. Yes. If, uh, if you do things, like most of the world does, if you do pious activity expecting a pious result, that's it, the Sanskrit term for that is karma conduct. I'm going to do good stuff. God's going to give me good. You see? That's pious. That's sweet-natured piety. Is it an act of love towards God? No. You know, hey, God, have I got your attention? I'm going to do something really good. Did you see what I just threw in a plate? That was a $100 bill. Benjamin Franklin's picture was on that bill, and I'm telling you, I'm expecting a return. You know? I wrote my name on that, Benjamin. So you won't forget when it gets in the when they when they're counting it. I wanted to say, hey, whoa, look, that was old Bill Smith. He put it in there. Well, so I'm your guy. Remember, I did that for you. What would you think if you had a friend that you needed a help? Help, and he's all right. You remember now, huh? You owe me. All right, all right, I owe you. Just give me a ride to the airport. I'm sorry. Put you out. See? Yeah. So, um, piety and a self-serving mentality can coexist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you're, you're at least you're pious in that you're turning to God. You see? You're not thinking, who needs God? I can do this without God. No, I need God. I need his energy. I need his resources. So I want to do some really good stuff, and I'm expecting some really good stuff in return. An act of love, you do something out of love for someone, they say, how can I ever repay you? And you say, there's no, no repayment. We're even. We're even, Stephen. 
No strings attached. Unconditional love. Unconditional service. If I want some return, I'm materially motivated. I'm going to do pious things so God will give me pious results. You know? That's materially motivated. At least I'm going to God, so it's pious. I'm directing my material motivation to God. I remember one time I was in church, and I'm not making fun, I'm just observing. I was in church, my sister uh, wanted me to go to her church. I was visiting Chicago, so she wanted me. So yeah, I, I went to church. And I remember afterwards there were different prayers. And this one person was saying, I have a friend in Georgia who's driving back, their family's driving back to, to Chicago. So um, can you, you know, say some prayer to the reverend? Can you say some prayer for, for their safety? Well, that's very pious, isn't it? And so the reverend's prayer was, oh, God, ride in that car. Ride with, well, that's like a 12-hour trip or 10-hour trip. Come on, nobody, I wouldn't ask you to do that. <laughs> hey, Jesse, ride in that car. And I'm thinking, this just doesn't seem loving, you know. Let's see. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you've always got the protection of God. <laughs> you know, you're not going to escape that. If he's not protecting you, who do you think is? So, when we pray to the Lord, when we pray to the Lord in Shingadeh for protection, you know what we're actually praying for? We're not praying for physical protection. The protection we're asking for is to protect my devotional creeper. I have a sprout of devotion, and I want you to protect that. Don't let me destroy it. Whatever happens to the body from my misdeeds in the past, I can deal with that. I'm going to deal, have to deal with it sooner or later. I'm okay. See, but why would Krishna not protect? So to ask him for protection is a little redundant. You already have it. <clears throat> but I don't have faith that I have. So just to make sure that I get it, I'm going to ask for it. Does that make any sense? spiritual research in their life to skip over to acceptance so they don't have to put knowledge to avoid um, denying that they're dying, the fact that they're going to be angry about it, the bargaining, the depression that comes along with it. That bargaining thing is common. 
God, give me another chance. I promise not to go through that this time. You know, give me a little bit longer to right the wrongs that I did. Uh, seems like a so tough to I promise I'll be good going forward. You know, so yeah. So at the end of their own life, if they hadn't known better by then, it seems like it would affect how far they get into the spiritual sky because they don't know actually what the process is to accept deeming this is the truth. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Christian, you should be praying to Jesus. Our dear Lord Jesus, please, please accept me at your lotus feet. If you're, uh, if you're Muslim, you should be praying to Allah. Or if you're a Vaishnava, you're praying to Krishna. You know, please guide me. I want you. I want to come to you. Please guide me. We've seen so many, I was going to say hundreds, but probably thousands of devotees that have had a long, long career of practicing Krishna consciousness. We've seen them in their last minutes. And it's nothing like what you're describing. They're all joyous, you know, smiles, wide-eyed. If they're conscious, sometimes they're not conscious, but when they're conscious, they're, they look around the room and they see that the devotee's there and they're hearing the chanting and they feel like, yes, yes. So it's it's not a not a sad thing. It's sad, it's bittersweet. It's sad because we're gonna miss them. But it's sweet to see where they're going. And they're happy. When Prabhupada left his body, he was he was surrounded by his disciples. And he wasn't lamenting. You know, he wasn't he wasn't trying to have faith. He knew exactly. Prabhupada said, just as he passed, he said, um, so for so long now, I've taught you how to live. So now let me show you how to die. Hare Krishna. So there's a difference when you actually have knowledge rather than uh, faith is good. Faith is better than not knowing or not having faith. But better than faith is knowledge. I think that reminds me of something that um, Carl Jung, the psychologist, had said. Someone asked him if he like, believed in God. And he, didn't, he wasn't quite sure how to respond to it. Respond other than I know because of his own personal experience, but it's not something he's easily conveyed, especially because he's not an Orthodox priest being able to use that language. What did he reply? He says, I know there's God. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So people expect because he's not a scientist and has a different language that he would. Or denied it, or just say, I believe in it, like another scientist said, has faith. When the moment comes, you can have a tendency to get serious. 
you know. What a big event is, is coming. When it's far away, you might be a little, you can joke around with it or whatever, but when it's there, then you get more serious about it. It's like uh, just before people get married. You ever noticed Have you ever known, any of you know many people that got married? They may be casual about it at the days leading up to the marriage, but on the morning of, they're sweating. They're like, wow, I don't know if I'll remember what to say. You know, sometimes they make up their own vows. <laughs> I'll never remember my vow. I don't know. How to do. A couple of days before, yeah, piece of cake. <laughs> and then when it comes time, it's like, whoa. Uh, say so. What do you think, Rada Sundry? <laughs> hey, what did you serve up? What did, did you make this? Uh, yes. Yeah, what is that? Um, I tried to make soup, but I put too much quinoa and I guess it became, it's like kitchen. <laughs> but like, I like kitchen. Uh, <laughs> alkaline kitchen. Good. Alkaline is good. All right. Why don't you take us, why don't you sign us off? And we can still discuss. And I'm going to eat. Take some soda. If you have any questions or comments, we can continue. Hey, is everything good? Is it tasty? Yeah. What's the good stuff you gave them that I don't get? You can't just kidding. Are we finished? Yeah, all done. I forgot to say goodbye to all the people out there. Oh, hey. I was able to record using Amiibo without live stream, which is a which is the second best. I thought, yeah, the Amiibo, the the Amiibo is out. Yeah. Well, I can I can record. So what do you live streaming? Then what do you do with it? So then I just upload it to uh, uh, to our Vimeo channel. Did that easier. take forever? No, oh. because it's not going through Facebook. <coughs> like, remember what I showed you last yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. So this is another way I thought about it. I'm like, well, you know, until we figure out this little Wi-Fi thing, I can do it this way. So, yeah. Now I just have to remember to upload them. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Yes. Was it worth the drive? The drive over? Oh, the bike. Always, always worth it. The bike ride. Hey, this is pretty good, Jake. Anyway, what?
Mm. Hey, Radhasundri, would you make a plate for Keshava? Is there enough? Yeah. He's, he's going to be going to go out of town, I think, Saturday. Yeah, he's going to be gone for three months. Yeah. He's going to be living outside. Yeah, for three months. When he comes back, he's going to have like, his hair down to here. and going to look like a... Yeah, look like a crazy person. You look like some weird creature from the from the mountain. Well, he already does, but a little. Yeah, weird. yeah, it's gonna be weird. That's so funny to see him like that. Can you shut that speaker off, please? Yeah. This goes right in the middle. No, no, the, the off button. Just the up button. There you go. Alrighty. Did you see that page? Which page? The one I put on on the Facebook Messenger, the, that list of vegetables we're not supposed to take. No. No. You, you didn't look at that? No. No, I didn't look at it. No, yesterday, these last couple of days have been so busy for me. I just, testing between, I tested, I finally finished the school, I finished that, so. You got it all done? Yeah. So you're ready to test, huh? Yeah, well, I had to, you had to qualify first by testing. That's how they do it. You have to do the in-house stuff first. So you got to pass all that before you can actually go and take the actual state test. So there's two tests you have to pass. So I was fortunate enough to pass uh, the last one a couple of days ago. And uh, yeah, I and mean, it was Rada's birthday, so you know, we were just kind of hanging. She had to work all day, so. You had to work on your birthday? Yeah. Twelve hours. Twelve hours. <laughs> Did she come home and take it out on you? No. Oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> you are on my side. <laughs> uh, no, that was good. We had a nice little surprise for her. What did you get for your birthday, Rada Sundry? I got lots of money. I got some flowers, mm -hmm. a beautiful pie that you want me to eat. A beautiful a what? A pie. Oh, pie? A dessert? Uh -huh. Oh. Yeah. She got spoiled. She's very nice. She got spoiled with the people in my life. You're a pampered woman. <laughs> 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 How have you been well last week? Pretty good? Yeah, I was just telling us about this last week. I was like, I'm sick. So you were sick too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A couple people getting sick around the top of the pool. Did you change your mind? Honestly, I don't know. Maybe. Oh. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe. Uh, uh, no, it'll get cold. Uh, it'll get cold.
That's the lunch over here. So, well, how long did it last? A couple weeks? Week? Do you have another bag? Uh, yeah. Well, like, that's kind of surprising. How do you, like, the longest it ever lasts is like four or five days. I was like, I was like, I sleep at Mark, you figured that out a long time ago. I've been just weary of that, you know? So, like, when, when I feel that, because there was a couple nights where it was like, it's going to drop. I So, it was like, it was windy throughout the whole entire day. Yeah. But it was sunny, and then at night it got cold. Yeah, yeah. And those are the, those are you know, you're not careful. Like speech fest. I think that's going to help with my family people. Like this last Sunday, they wanted to go swimming, but it wasn't that hot. We hear all this stuff about global warming, and yet I live in Arizona, and I haven't turned my air conditioner on, it's almost June. I haven't turned it on yet. So, what gives here? What gives? Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of wondering the same thing actually. I was like, this is kind of ironic. A couple weeks ago, it was I know, yeah. Like, I love like, the fluctuations of everything being so drastic. But it, it is still like, yeah, it's still really feeling like that. When it's like, I think the other day, like, the high was like 77 or something like that. And I was like, man, it's too soft. Hey, a few days ago. A week or so ago, the high was like 70. And it got down in the high 40s and In May? I know, that's crazy. I'm trying to sleep with the windows open because I like the fresh air. I wish I could do We have a lot of high schools. Where do you stay at? I live on campus? No, no, no. No, because your family's here, right? Oh, you're lucky, man. That's good. You're good. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you what, it's better than living four hours away from your home. Like when I moved into college, I was living four hours away from home. Man, I, I didn't like it. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it's like the whole, the whole you know, college student kind of thing. I enjoy celebrating you realize what college is all about. But then you're like, man, I miss a home good meal, right? I miss like, yeah. It's crazy. So for those reasons, I would miss home. Yeah, no, my friends that live at home, they say the same thing, right? They say like, like when they first went out, they're like, so weird. You realize I think I have better shots. That new place is home. Yeah. I have a lot of things that are over in the But then after a certain time, it's closed. You know what you're going to do? Oh, well. I remember that. That's probably fruity pebbles. As long as it was good chocolate. Surrounded by the devotees. I remember that. 
Jesus. I do. Isn't that something? Right. Same as that day back in my nose. Pretty auspicious. No, it's good though. I mean, you're, you're such an auspicious day. Yes. You, yeah. you commute, basically. You commute. So you're, so you're originally from. I wonder after you leave, what happens. So everyone. Future ISCON is going to observe yeah, your yeah. like, uh, 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 you know A lot of my friends are in California, so I get to go to Oh, that's great. I love California. That's sweet, man. What part of Cali is it? They look like, you know where San Bernardino is at or not? Is that north? It's like so. Uh, if if like this is LA, it's like fifty miles. Like, kind of oh, fifty miles. Okay. But it's like part of that whole standard. Like, Cobra City. Yeah, it's just like past like all the way Okay. It's the last. The last place east, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the last big city. It's like the end of the LA metroplex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You from there? Uh, my mom said my family is there, so I got to go there quite a bit. Then you go a little, huh? Then you go a little further, and you come to uh, Palm Springs. Um, Palm Springs is actually a little bit before. Or are you saying like further east? Further east. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. There's this place I want to go camping out there. It's called Joshua Tree National Park. I've heard of that. This is nice. Yeah. Have you been? No, I haven't been. We've like driven past it, kind of, but yeah. I haven't actually like stopped. I've heard so many good things about Joshua Tree. Beautiful, big trees, huge trees. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's nice too because like out there, like there's like all those trees, and then like they have like also all these like jacket boulders and stuff like that too. But they're just like all around. They're like it's weird. They look like evenly dispersed. Almost. Yeah, yeah. You know we have that kind of here. Mm -hmm. Don't we have that like when we're going towards like uh, Sierra Vista? Of Gala, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's like one hill if you stop by, there's like a rest stop or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah those exactly. rocks look like they were put there by giants or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, Texas Canyons? Is that what it is? Out I 10? I think so. Yeah. Up there near the thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up there near the yeah. thing. Yeah. So Texas Canyons. <laughs> looks like the demigods stacked the rocks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It looks like they could just fall over at any time. Yeah. It's incredible. I took a picture. I took a picture right behind one. Huge rock. It's like. Flat on one side and then it's rough. It's curved. Oh, it's so cool. I think I put it up somewhere. I was gonna tell you. Wow. First week of August. I'm ready. Let's do it. So I'll tell you. So first, second, and third, basically, and I think Sunday too. There's this huge festival in LA. It's called Rathiyatra. It's like the festival of the chariots. It's a major festival. It's a Krishna conscious festival. Major, major. And it happens in LA and we go out there every year. It's actually, it happens on Venice Beach. So we parade down. We block the whole Venice Beach Boulevard. We go all the way down to the beach. Wait, wait, where's that? It's everywhere. It's, 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 it's like you got it right. It's like you 
like, I don't know, like, transcendental party. Mm -hmm. And we 